Because when I played, I walked on. I walked into the coach's office. I said, hey, can I try out? He said, sure, what position? I said, anything that has to do with scoring touch touchdowns. So he put me at tight end. I played wide receiver. And in that year, I kind of just blew up. All the schools, every college in the United States wanted me to That play first for. year? That first year. So you're just an athletic specimen. Hey, I guess that if that's what you want to call it. Welcome to the Opposite Ends Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of Opposite Ends. I'm here and joined. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Let me back. Th- let me let me back up because I'm I'm twisting my my words. I am joined here today with a legend, not just a legend, but a businessman, an actor, and more than that, a Super Bowl champion, Vernon Davis. Let, let me put the headphones on so I can hear you. How you doing today? Good, Joseph. How you doing? Dude, awesome. It's always great to see you. Oh, man, good to see you as well. If you, don't, if you guys don't know yet, uh, Vernon and I are, are uh, we're represented by the same manager, uh, acting manager, and we got connected and became pretty, I would say, pretty good friends. I feel like I know you pretty well now. Yeah, I feel like you're you're one of my little brothers. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, you're my little brother. I'll be a little bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we had a, we had a couple good times, a few good stories now. So today, I really wanted to break it down into three parts, mm-hmm. right? So I wanted to t- talk about football, uh, your entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. and acting. Okay. Right. So. I mean, these are these are three big big parts of your life, obviously. And uh, but I, I want to know where where did you come from? Where did it all start? Yeah, I think uh, so. I grew up in Washington D.C. I grew up in the house with my six siblings. My grandmother raised all of us, and uh, I think just uh, just watching her, my grandmother put in so much work. I mean, she would work hours. I mean, for hours a day, and she never really complained. And throughout my life, I kind of just took that same formula, and everything that I do, I try to put that same energy into it. So when oh, just I, to work with yeah, just to work. I mean, from football to to basketball to to acting to whatever it is that I want to pursue, I put that same energy in. Right. So, so what age were you when you started playing ball? I was, believe it or not, I didn't start playing football until tenth grade. Really? Yeah. That's pretty late for for like professional athletes, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty late. I I just it, my goal, my my passion was just always in basketball. Football, I was afraid to wear the helmet when I was a kid. I couldn't uh-huh. wear the helmet. I, I guess I was claustrophobic. I didn't, I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't do it. So I stayed away from it. So you played basketball like elementary, middle school, uh or was it just I played basketball from yeah, from elementary school all the way up until my senior year of high school senior year of high school oh yeah. so you played two two, two sports. sports right through okay so sophomore year you started playing football mm-hmm. and um so when did you with football well really when did you decide to pursue football instead of basketball i'm gonna have to say that 10th grade year because when I played, I walked on, I walked into the coach's office. I said, hey, can I try out? He said, sure, what position? I said, anything that has to do with scoring touch, touchdowns. So he put me at tight end. I played wide receiver. And in that year, I kind of just blew up. All the schools, 
every college in the United States wanted me to that play first for. year. That first year. So you're just an athletic specimen. Hey, I guess that if that's what you want to call it, why not? Why not? Why not? Uh, that's exactly what I'm going to call it. <laughs> that, I mean, I want someone to call me an athletic specimen, so <laughs> why not? Uh, okay, so so shoot, so so where did you go to university? University of Maryland. University of yeah. Maryland, yeah. and then you kept you kept going with football. Yeah. And so, did you ever change positions? Because I know in college, that's that's also a time where. I mean, college football is a lot different than high school football. So mm -hmm. you kind of like jump around sometimes. The coach wants you to try something different. Yeah. Or did you just stay at tight end? No, I went. I actually went in as a wide receiver. You went in as a right wide receiver. Like a hybrid of a wide receiver and a tight end. They put me in the backfield, let me lead block on linebackers. And they did that because they knew, well, wide receiver wasn't going to really work for me because I was too big. I was like 255 pounds. Dang. Yeah, big boy. Be like two fifty five. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we don't. Last time we seen a big guy like that was like da this guy named David Boston. David Boston. David Boston. Right. Have you ever seen a picture of him? No, dude, he is so big, man. Huge, huge. huge. We'll put up a picture right here. All right. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. So what was training like? So, because I, I mean. I wasn't allowed to play football. Mm -hmm. It was it was too dangerous, I guess. My my mom didn't want me to play, you know, how you know how I mean, you don't know how it goes <laughs> cuz you played. But I wasn't allowed to play. A lot of people aren't allowed to play cuz it, you know, everyone thinks that it's dangerous and this and that. So, um, so what was what was tr what did training look like and was your family like really supportive of that? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting you say your mom didn't want you to play. My grandmother didn't want me to play either. Can you believe throughout my entire career she never really came, she never came to a game? And she wouldn't watch it until the game was over because she was always afraid that I would get hurt. So if oh. I called her after the game, she would record it, and then she would watch it. You know oh, what I mean? so she never came to a game. Yeah, she never really came to the game because she didn't want to see. She thought I would always get hurt. Oh, yeah. She didn't want that, so. Yeah, that's how that's how my mom yeah. always has been. As like you know, very protective. They're just like they don't want anything to happen to you. Yeah, with mama boys. Mama's boys. Mama yeah, boys. yeah, exactly. So, so with the training, so what did that look like? How many hours a day? Early on, or early on. Um, well, I would. I pretty much took the same approach as I did when I was a kid up until my last year of my professional career. Like I would stay in high school, I'll give you an example. Like I would stay and I would just make up these these drills on the track, right? And I would run run around for run around the track for extra cardio. And I would just do things because I, I knew that in order for me to have an advantage and, and get that edge th that you needed as a as an athlete in general, you had to put in the work. Right. So I was all about like I said, I took my grandmother's energy and I put it into everything. So that was her formula. Never complain, put in the work, and just do what you have to do. But did anyone teach you that that's what it took to be an athlete, to be like a, a well, a true, like a good at, at your craft? No, no one no one really taught me. It just just the guys that I, I really looked up to, like uh, in basketball, that was Vince Carter for me. He was like, they used to call him half man, half, half amazing. His poster was on my wall. Oh, yeah. And I always looked up to him because of his ability, his ability to go out and perform the way he did. 
And I use that as inspiration along with the stuff that, the things that I saw my grandmother grandmother do. Right. Pretty much. So then when, so when you went to college for, for football, um, when did you, when did you realize like I can go pro? I think I realized that I could go pro after that 10th grade season when I, when I first tried out for the team after that year was over because I had so many colleges knocking on my door. I was like, wow, they're highly interested in me. And then I looked back. Oh, like you're I, in high school. In high, in high school, school I, you knew you were going to go pro. I knew right then and there that no. I had. Yeah, man, I would, I, would, I would be in the mirror looking at my hamstrings. I'd be looking at my quads. I'd be like, gosh, I, got, I have NFL quads and hamstrings. You, you, so, you know, <laughs> I thought you were going. Hey, I lie to you not, man. I, always thought, I would always look at like my, my hamstrings, and I, and I would kind of compare them to like uh, – some of the best wide receivers and titans in the league. And I had like these round shaped hamstrings. Like, this is elite right here, man. Our hamstrings, so hamstrings are. No, I was just, I just used it in my mind. Are <laughs> hamstrings like a, a good muscle to have no, for, I just, for being I just, a, I just knew, because when it comes to professional sports, just sports at the top level, you kind of, I think as a young man, the biggest thing that a young guy would do and probably still is compare themselves to a particular person, right? right? And for me, it would be another tight end. I would look at my body and be like, gosh, okay, I have the body type. I have the speed. I have the ability. I'm definitely going to make it to the NFL. Right, so who, who, is the, who is the tight end that you compared yourself to the most? Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Kellen Winslow Jr. when he was coming out of Miami. Um, Tony Gonzalez. Those are my three guys that I really looked up to. They inspired me to continue to keep going. That's I, sick. I wanted to be just like them. Yeah. Shannon Sharp's a beast. He's a beast. Yeah. He's a beast. Well, well, well you know, Skip, well, Skip, I mean, look at this play right here, Skip. I mean, I mean come on, man. What, 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 what are you doing? Did you ever do the, uh, did you ever do the, like, call the National Guard, the, the National Guard is on the way. <laughs> you ever do that during the game? No, you never did <laughs> that that moment that Shen Sharp had was insane. <laughs> I couldn't believe he did that. Oh man, that. he was wild. He was a wild one. So you come out of college and you get drafted. For the people that don't know, who did you get drafted to? Well, I was drafted as a sixth pick to the San Francisco 49ers, the 49ers. back in t- 2006. 2006. Yeah, 2006, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, what did that feel feel like? Dude, that was the best feeling I ever had in my life, getting drafted on national television. Because you think back when they call you, and it's one thing to sit at the table. You have the phone in the middle of the table, right? And we're all sitting around. It's like six other guys. They That time they only invited a handful of guys to NFL to New York to be drafted at Radio City Music Hall. Right. And I was one of those guys. So we're sitting there. I have my family. The phone rings. And... I believe it was North Turner at the time. I said, hello? He said, you ready to be a 49er? I started crying because I started to think about all those years and all the time and energy I put into making it up to that point. You know, running on the track, making up those drills, um, staying after school, just putting the work in. And then the experiences that I had with my family and the trials, the failure, all of that stuff, it's just 
it starts going through your mind really fast. Right. And you can't help but to shed tears because you're just really grateful for that moment. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Very overwhelming. Yeah, those landmarks are always are always huge. Like it's like a big rush. Mm-hmm. It's like a huge rush of adrenaline. I mean, it was like um like when I saw the men's health cover for the first time mm. before I mean before it was released, I same thing. I was like I didn't know what to do. I was mm-hmm. I just started crying. I was like, "Man, all the all the all the time in the gym and like mm-hmm. working hard and uh and it's not over, but it's just a, a milestone. Yes. So, so where did your mind go to? Like, you get drafted. Huh. Uh, I know. I I hear like all these horror stories of, of athletes getting drafted and then they start, you know, going on a little shopping spree or something. But what was your mentality? Because I know, I know, you know, you were mm-hmm. you were raised by your grandmother and you you wanted to help the family and this yeah. and that. So. <clears throat> The very first thing I did did when I got money is I went to the shoe store because I've always been, there's nothing like having a fresh pair of kicks, right? Whether it was Jordans or whatever it was. Confidence goes up immediately. I went to Foot Locker and I bought every shoe that you can think of that they had in inventory. Everyone? Yes, I probably bought about 35, 40 pair of shoes. At one time. Now I know you're a sneaker guy. I was a sneaker hit. Every every but... pair of shoe, they, every <laughs> shoe, pretty much every shoe that they that they had in my size, I bought it. No way. Yes, always wanted to do that. Always. Was it just a goal that you had, or was it like, <laughs> like? Yeah, I don't know. I was were just, you a just like hit. screw it. I was a sneaker. Give me it all. Because when I was in high school, I wanted, you know, I wanted the coolest pair of shoes. I, I wanted the latest pair. But I couldn't really afford it because, you know, I was always about. Um, I wanted to save my money. I wanted to hold on to it because I wanted to go to the go to the corner store every day and get snacks to take to school. And you know, I know I had to do like save my money, right? Because right. my grandmother taught me that, and I didn't want to spend it. So when I got it, I was like, wow, I can afford it. So let me go in here and buy all the shoes that I want. Let me treat myself. Dang! So you treated yourself. I treated myself. Nice. Yeah. So how was moving to San Francisco? Moving to San Francisco was, uh, it was a challenge for me because all my life I had been back home. I'm from Washington, D.C., and my school, University of Maryland, was right down the road. So I was close to my grandparents, and I'd never really been somewhere and actually lived. So getting drafted was, I mean, going to San Francisco was really challenging for me because I didn't have anybody. I didn't have my family. I was out there by myself and I was working. Only thing I had was my teammates, but I had to to learn to accept them as family. You know what I mean? Right. But family away from my family because now I'm in a totally different place on the other side of the coast. Yeah, and that's like the only way to do it in a right. professional sport is to make your teammates your family, right? Exactly. Right, so I mean, everyone becomes your brother yes. at that point. Yeah, and that's that's really special. But mm-hmm. so, because a lot of athletes, they they go they get into the league and whatever league it is, but yeah. just beco- go pro, and sometimes it's a problem with partying and kind of getting carried away. Was that ever a problem for you? I think uh, 
I've always been grounded. I yeah. never really, my focus was always in the right place. So I never really had, I never let the distractions take me off of my journey. Because if the moment you do that is the moment you can fall really fast. So I was always a believer in taking care of the things I had to take care of, being responsible, and not letting the outside noise take me off balance. So how would you recommend a new, like, someone, so how would you recommend a rookie keep that mentality or, like, <clears throat> acquire that mentality? Yeah, I think a rookie coming in, because we hear so many stories about guys being arrested or just losing everything that they worked so hard to have, right? I think we, as a rookie, someone new just coming in fresh, really think about and own the simple fact that you've established yourself as someone of accountability, someone who's responsible, someone who can be an inspiration for others. Don't let the negative things in life take you off balance like I just talked about because you didn't do it before. So why wait now when you have money, when you have cars, when you have a new house, you have all this fame and recognition. Right. Why wait now to this point of success? Why fail? Why let, the, let these things pull you down? Mm -hmm. And we hear these stories all the time. And I just can't believe it because you work so hard for it. Right. So just continue to be cognizant of that and take ownership in, in what you've worked so hard to have. Yeah, we hear those stories so much of, of athletes getting in trouble and, and kind of going down the wrong path. But another story that I hear a lot from athletes is well, not just athletes, but people that kind of get into, come into wealth Mm -hmm. relatively quickly, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, landing that big movie that kind of just shoots them up into stardom, whether yeah. it's, uh, you know, getting drafted, becoming a pro athlete, mm -hmm. and it just shoots them off. Um, but family and friends mm -hmm. come into the picture and uh, with the handouts, mm -hmm. you know, er that where everyone's kind of wants something yeah. or they feel like you owe them something. How, was that ever a problem for you? Yes, I'm going to say that saying no to family and friends was always a problem for me because I'm all about putting smiles on everyone's face. Right. And it was hard for me to say no. I had to learn how to say no. And, and you kind of want everyone to come up with <clears> you. <throat> yes, you do. You want everyone to come up with you. Right. So, so how, would you, how did you stay away from that? How did you like, learn to say, start saying no? Well, at some point, it's like you have to say no. You're forced to say, you're forced to say the word no because it becomes draining. Right. This person's calling you. This person's texting you. I mean, you have three people texting you on the same day, and you're like, "Wow, this is getting annoying." And then all of a sudden, people saying you're changing, but you're not changing. It's not you. It's the people around you. They they're not understanding that you have other people in the family and friends contacting you, asking you all the time. They're not thinking about that. They're just thinking about themselves. So when you say no, then all of a sudden people don't like you anymore. They think mm -hmm. you're, you're not there for them. They think you don't care about them. But if you, at the end of the day, Joseph, it's like all I have is a job. 
I put myself in this position to be very successful right and have a life like the one I have that person could have done the same thing this person could have done the same thing you have a job I have a job but only difference between your job and my job is that my job pays a little bit more that's it right so but people don't look at it like that they just think you're you make all this money you're supposed to take care of them but we all have opportunities to be better than we were before, right? So why not capitalize and put in the work? And it all goes back to putting in the work. If you oh, yeah. put in the work on anything, you'll be successful for successful at it. But you got to put the time in. Now, putting in work. You have been putting in work for a very long time, but you're brother has also been putting in a lot of work um your brother is your brother your brother's older or younger than you my brother's four years younger than me he's four years younger than you so how how cool was it seeing him also get drafted oh it was amazing seeing my brother get drafted because i used to wake up when i was in high school i used to wake him up and we would go to the local high school in my neighborhood and I would make up these drills because my thing was I always believed and I knew and I had faith that I was going to make it at whatever sport I was playing whether it was basketball or football and I wanted him to have that same success I wanted his dreams to be my dream I wanted my dream to be his and I felt like it was my responsibility to take his hand and show him what it takes to to make it and that's what I did so when he got drafted, I was like, wow. I felt like his dad. I felt like his mentor. I felt like I was that person who really showed him the way, and he listened to me, and he paid attention to what I was doing, and all of a sudden he made it. Dang. Yeah, I'm sure that was a special moment. I know that was deep. Don't start crying, Joseph. I know. I'm going to start crying. Let Somebody me, get Joseph some get my tissue. acting classes Somebody ready. get this guy some tissue, please. <laughs> <laughs> so now, well, what was, what was it like? Uh, or what was the game changer when you won the Super Bowl? Like, what changed that season? Was it mentally, or did you train different? What What really did it for you? I think that that year in Denver, winning that Super Bowl, Super Bowl Fifty, was. I think the pieces were already there. Mm. The pieces were there, and when you win a Super Bowl, wherever you win it at, or or how how wherever you win it or, or how it happens, right? It, it's all a combination of like everything coming together over time, like the hard work and dedication that you put in. Nothing can really stop you. If you're the hardest person, working person in the room, you're gonna get whatever it is that you're after, but it might not happen the way you expect it to, but it's gonna happen in some form. You right. know what I mean? Things never really happen the way we plan them exactly, but it happens. Did it? Did that feel like the way you planned it? I felt. I felt like when I won that Super Bowl, I felt like all the work that I put in, all the the failures that I had, like, Washed it was away. all. Yeah, it was just all for reason. It was like my life was designed to be exactly how it was to get me to this point. Right. And when I made it, that's what that's what I was thinking about. Like, it may have taken ten, eleven years, but. Hey, look, did it. I, did I mean, it's like the ultimate did accolade it. that you can get. The, I mean, you're an NFL champion. Yes. 
So, so then after that, you mm -hmm. played how many more years in the league? I played four after winning the Super Bowl. I played four more years. Four more years. Put me at fourteen years. So how? So when did you? When did you realize you wanted to just kind of step away? I realized that I wanted to step away from the game after. I don't know. I just. I just felt it. You can just, I just felt it in my spirit. I was like, it's time for me to go do other things. I had, it was like something else was calling me. Right. And there was so many things that I wanted to do from business to pr pr production, mm. acting, art, just entertainment in general. I just, I've always wanted to be in that space. And I had like this burning desire to do it. The same way I did with football in the beginning. I felt that way with what I'm doing now. So when did you want to jump into acting? How did that happen? I think acting came about throughout the years, throughout my time in the NFL. I started doing little things. I was do, I was doing uh, I was taking a class in San Francisco, and I was in a play. I did some improv. Really? And, yeah. No way. And, and then the simple fact that I'm an artist, I paint. So you know the brain kind of, it all works the same when you're a creator, right? An artist. You hear that? He's an artist. I'm an artist. An athletic specimen, an artiste, an entrepreneur. <laughs> Jesus. That's the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you so you you do plays. You were taking acting classes. When did you want to get into film? How did so? So you wanted you uh -oh. you started doing all these things. Well, that that led you to wanting to get into mm. film, right? So, what was the first? What was your first little role that you got? I wanted to get in film because I was doing, you know, I was doing so many things while I was playing. I was on, I was a cartoon character. I had this cartoon character on Nickelodeon. Which right? one? It was, it was myself, it was myself and J.J. Watts. You know J.J. Watts. Yeah. Yeah. You, um. I don't know we, him personally, but. Yeah, yeah. We, we were, we had this, this episode. I can't see, I got to go back and look at it, but we, and you I don't know had, what like, show so, it was. I can't remember, but it was, uh. Dang, I we were like see these this. superheroes, but it was pretty crazy. But that, along with so many other things that I did while I was playing, and all of that together made me want to continue to pursue that space. Right, film, show. Yeah, and over time, it's just like when it's time to do it, it's time to do it, right? So how did you how did you meet Henry? I met Henry. I met Henry Penzi through, well, my business partner, Patrick Powell, he called around, I was like, hey, can you call and find me a manager? I need I need a manager, mm -hmm. right? Because I feel like I'm my career is gonna be over at some point. So this so, was before you retired? Before I, probably three, four years, three years before I retired. Okay. So I need, I need this manager, I need to find a good manager. So he called around and Henry was working with a guy that we both know, and then they separated. I ended up going with Henry, continuing to work with him, and then he told me, he was working with Rob Gronkowski, and I was like, hold up, you work with Rob? That's crazy. I know Rob really well, I know his brother. His brother played with me in college. We were tight ends, we played together. Oh. Dan, Dan Gronkowski. So did you call the Gronkowskis and ask them about Well, when it? I saw them, we we were, we talked about it, and they knew, and you know, I knew what Henry was doing for them, and it just all came about. Right. It, it's Life is all about having good people in your life, and people that you can really work with, and get to where you're trying to go, getting from A to B in a in the most comfortable, positive way, right?
and he was I felt like he could be an added component to what I was trying to do yeah never felt forced yeah yeah so so now you're acting now you're now you're now you're going for it you did the chariot mm -hmm. which is coming out April 17th April 15th 15th yeah Jerry, I'm excited about that movie. Man. That one's going to be I cool. I want everyone to see this character, the work that I put in on this guy, man. I, I put so much work in on this guy. I just, I had one, I had an entire month to really give this character some identity. I watched movies like Edward Scissorhands, and um, I found different things about this character that well, let really me, make him tick. Let me ask you, so so describe this character what what what's going on in the, with this character this character so in chariot this character when you watch this character you can you can you can feel a little bit of edward uh the character that that uh that we see in edward scissorhands right you can see like the weirdness the creepiness you can see um just a lot of sadness to him this character's really messed up about his life mm. he he don't know uh, if his life is even going to get better. Like, he's really... Imagine a, a, someone who's away from his family. He'll never see him again. Maybe he lost his mom and dad. And he's, he's really um, artistic in his mind. So he's, his mind's kind of like... He's, he's, he has this weirdness, creepiness about him that people don't understand. He's very nice and gentle. He don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. He just wants to... He just needs help, and he don't know how to ask for it. Right, he's really yeah. hurting inside. That's what we're gonna. That's what you, you look at like, dang, that's messed dang. up. This, I mean, this guy, this guy, he has girlfriend, woman issues. He to put a little context, the chariot is a <laughs> sci-fi thriller about reincarnation. Yes, that deals with reincarnation. Yes, very exciting. John Malkovich in there. Who else is in there? Um, uh, gosh, uh, you're Rosa, in there. Rosa I'm in Salazar. there. Salazar. Salazar. Yes. Man, it's it's. I'm excited. I saw this guy on set. <laughs> I had a little piece. Thomas Mann. Don't forget. Thomas Mann. I can't Man. forget my guy. Thomas, Thomas Mann. Thomas Mann. I can't Man. forget Thomas Mann. Wow, what a brilliant actor. I mean, working with him, I've had most of my scenes with him, and he was phenomenal. Man, he's the a way stud. We, the way we played off each other. I mean, it's a dark comedy, sci-fi dark comedy. Oh yeah. When you see us interacting together. Yeah, it's gonna be so. He was perfect for that part. Man, it's gonna be amazing. He was perfect, man. The way he responds to me, like we found little things in there that we could use. Like he would do certain things, and I was, it wasn't planned. It's never really planned. When you're acting, it's never planned. You you act off of your. It's just available stimulus. Yeah, right. Yeah. You Im just if he does something and you do something, you give him something back, right? Yeah. And we found so many different opportunities in there, which makes the film so much like intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, you so guys made it real. Like it's, it's unbelievable, man. I can't wait for people to see this. Yeah, it'll be fun. So what what other films are are you... Oh, you just worked on one with uh, Morgan Freeman, Freeman, right? Oh, man, I can't wait. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm just... You just get me... <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I man. like getting you riled up. I'm sorry, man. This I love it. Oh, my gosh, man. I just saw a piece... I just saw a promo video for this Morgan Freeman film and dude, it gave me chills. I couldn't, I was looking at the character that I played and I couldn't even believe it was me. I was like, is that me? Is that me playing that character? Wow. But you know when you did what, you know you really put your all into a film when you leave that film and you have anxiety. I had anxiety after that film, man. Really? Yeah, I, went, I had to go talk to my therapist. Why is that? Because I was like, I was really, I couldn't sleep at night. I had my panic. Because you didn't know you if you did well or well, what, had, what do you mean? Well, I had, no, because I, because I did, re I put my whole, I put everything into that character, man. 
I put like my soul into that character. Like, ah, so you had like a residual effect from yeah, because I was like being in that. Yeah, I play a serial killer in that movie. Right. So you can imagine like all the stuff that was going through my mind that I used to play this character. I put it out there, and after after getting done with that character, I was like, like I was like I couldn't sleep. I I was like I had this anxiety, man. I was I panic. It's like my panic disorder was coming mm -hmm. back, and I had to talk to my therapist. So I called and told her what I was going through because. You know, films like that, man. Like, people don't understand, man. Like, when I got pulled into this acting stuff, it it took me on a journey, and I it made me realize how much work you have to put into something in order to get results, right? You can't just you, go into a film and expect, oh, I'm going to take over this role. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I got lines. I'm going to feed them. No, you have to give this character a, a personality identity. You have to compare and contrast this character to yourself, your real life self. You have to give him obstacles. You have to give this character things that, that, that the script don't provide for you, right? Give him some stuff, right? What makes this character based on the life of this character in this script, what are the things that, that ticks him off? What are the things that make him who he is in this character? So in much this, that in goes into the preparation. Right, you gotta give him that, the it's obstacles, huge. everything, man. He need, he need these things, He need to. we need to understand how he gets from- Yeah, people from, don't realize that. Yeah. How much preparation really goes into each character. Where's he coming from and where's he going? What is he trying to get throughout this whole journey, right? Yeah, what are yeah. his obligations? Right, are, yeah. the overall goal, the overall objective, the scene objectives that you need to have, the just the the beats and different beats and actions in this scene, right? What are you going after? The obstacles. What are you like? How does he feel? What are the, the what is the emotional connection in this scene to based on what he's trying to get, right? People don't. There's so much that goes into it. I have a notebook that I use when I'm breaking down when I'm doing my character work. It's a notebook. In my notebook, I keep a binder and I and it's about this big. And I even I have write my writings like my backstories and stuff that I keep in this notebook. Yeah, with this character because I by the time I get to set, Joseph, it's like football to me. Every Sunday before I played a game, I made sure that I was so prepared. And film is the same way. That is the the connection between film and sports is because when you go in front of that camera, you have to be full. You want to make sure that you're super prepared. It doesn't matter what the director tells you, right? You know that you can adjust. He might, you, you go in, he You're might tell you want something else. Oh no, give this character this, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. You already prepared for it and you already know that you can give it to him, right? Oh yeah. Because you've already tried so many different ways to to give this character life, right? You've done the reps. You, you made your choices. Yeah. So you're ready to go. So now going into your business life, you ventured out into a few different companies. You're doing. You're part of Pathwater, mm -hmm. part of Riff. What other companies are you part of? Uh, Pescavore is another one. Yeah, there's there's a there's quite a few, but there's some. I definitely have some favorites. Uh, Territory Foods is one. They're they're pretty good. They use local chefs. These meals that you get from Territory. I don't know if you ever tried it. Have you ever tried Territory? No, I haven't. I'll have to send you something, man. It's so good. I mean, it's all about the <laughs> what's flavor. going on here. He comes on to the podcast and he didn't, he didn't bring me some samples. It's I'm, like, I'm so sorry. This is, <laughs> Joseph, this is ridiculous. I'm, believe me, I'm so sorry. The buddy. treatment, the abuse. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, man. I apologize. Oh, but no, territory is pretty cool because yeah. of the flavors that they use in their meals is, uh, is, uh, pretty, pretty tasty, man. Quite tasty. You have to, you have to try it and let me know what you think. 
Is it like a protein bar? Or? No, it's like meals. It's like uh, oh, they're meals. ready to go. Like they send it to you on dry ice. You pop them in the refrigerator, not frozen. Oh, man. Warm yeah, I gotta up. try that out. You can warm it up and ready to go. And they have, and they're constantly um, uh, adding different, different uh, options for you, like constantly. Like right. there's so many different options. You won't get tired of the food. So what was the first? What was your first like venture? What was your first? Uh, what was the first business that you decided to get involved with? The very first thing I invested in. Yeah. Was probably Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky. Cra you ever had Crave Jerky? I have not. You've had Crave Jerky? Yeah, Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky. Dang. I was a part of an acquisition that happened with Crave Jerky. They sold to Hershey's for $240 million. No. Yes. $240 million. So when was this? I walked away with $1,000, man. No. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? where'd you get cheated from? Where'd you invest $1? No, <laughs> no I walked. It was a good payday for me. It was uh, a good yeah, payday. We won't, we won't bring very, that up. We won't bring it up later. Very at excited. <laughs> no, I was very excited about that transaction because it was one of my biggest ones that I had. And once I saw that, it's like anything else. Once you see it, once you feel it, you're like, gosh, I want to do this all over again. Oh yeah. So I was just searching for different other project products. So how did you find that though? Law of attraction. Oh really? No. You know, law of attraction is big. <laughs> Get it's out like of when here. you want something. No, seriously, when you want something, and when you're when you're like when your spirit aligns with the things that you want, right? <laughs> they just come. Here. Seriously, no, it comes I, your way. I, I believe come you. Come on, man. What you laughing at? I'm not. I'm... Hey, what you laughing at, man? Seriously, what? It happened to you too. No, well, I mean, I just, I haven't thought of it that way. Yeah, exactly. But I'm going to start thinking of it that way. Exactly. Law yes. of attraction. Law of attraction. So you, okay, so then you do crave jerky, that goes, and yeah. then you're like, you're, you feel that hunger. So is that this hunger. while you're in the league? Yeah, that's why I was in the league, yeah. It all happens. And, and the crazy thing about it, like most investments take, it take at least eight to ten years for you to see the... To, to be rewarded from your investment, right? Eight but, to 10 years? Right, eight to 10 years because it, you, you have to think like every startup that comes in, like a lot of people get small businesses and, and startups confused. They think they're the same thing, but they're not. Startups, they create something because they wanna make an impact. They wanna change the world. They wanna change the way we think, right? right. That's the only reason why you should get involved with a startup because you wanna, you wanna affect people in a way where they have, this becomes a necessity. Right, you're mm. changing the world. You're changing the game, and um, it takes time. You have to build. You have to build something. You build this in a way where people can really understand the purpose behind this, why they need to have this in their life, right? And, and that takes a little bit of time. So anywhere from eight to ten years, and that's why most companies they go into it. Never, no company goes into anything with the intent to hold on to it forever. No, you go into it and you build it to sell it, right? That's why the first question you ask, mostly whenever you invest in something, what is your exit strategy? I want to know that how, I want to know how this this money that I'm contributing to this company, how's it going to pay off? How am I going to be rewarded from, from my hard work and that, my hard work and dedication? Because that's what you're putting into this product. You're putting everything that you work hard for, your money, right? into something else. Now, how am I going to be rewarded from it? 
What's the exit strategy? Tell me. How, how do you plan to exit? So that's right. number one Number one question. I think that's number one. I think you also want to understand who they have on their board. Who's who's a part of your board of advisors that is this person? I, I would feel really comfortable knowing that if I'm investing in a company that you have someone who was a part of other exits, right? right. They've been able to sell products before prior to getting into this one. Because that gives me like wow more confidence, right? You have a bunch of you have a bunch of people who are who are pretty much a genius, and I know for a simple fact that this is going to do really well. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. Okay, right? so number one, what's the exit strategy? What's the exit? You you can how am I getting paid off? That, number two, well, you can do it any kind of way, but I think that's that should be at the top of the list of your right. questions when it comes to understanding what's going to happen with this investment. Right, the people that go, the people that you have on board. Number two is the people that you have on board. Can right. I trust these people? Right. What? Uh, but trust, as in, are these guys or are these people going to benefit the company and the growth? Yes, that gives you a, you you have it gives you a a great deal of comfort knowing that they have real expertise on their board because if these guys have seen ample amount of success they're going to take it and put it into this product as well and now the third what's what's like the third main question i think you really want to understand you well this can go at the top of top two as far as understanding what series of investing are you in are you in your infancy stage are you series a b c or d you see what i'm saying I do. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because you you want to understand that because you don't want to, dude. You don't want. Well, what does that mean for so a viewer that doesn't know that what's so what what do you mean? I by think it? you want to get in. Basically, getting in early is always the biggest thing. Biggest, the biggest thing you want to you want right. to do right. You you want to get in early on any investment because you then you just ride the wave, right? If you start early and get in on investment as they grow, now that that penny that you put in. It'd be worth so much more if the company has a huge evaluation later on at year eight and year ten, right? Because your your dollar is is growing, growing, growing. That's why we hear five, three x, four x, five x. So the money that you put in now will have, if it has five, a five x multiple, like when once once the company is acquired, yeah, then that's how much your money. If you think about it, that's how much your money is growing, right? In Series D, you don't want to get in a Series D. My advisor told me he said. Never get in, never put your money into Series D because that stands for death. Death. You're not going to make much money. You're not going to make as much money. You'll make, mo you'll make money, but you're not going to make as much money as you would if you got So how do you, how do you know what phase they're in? Because you ask the question. Oh, they tell you. Oh, they tell you. Oh, You okay. have to do your due diligence before you get into any investment. See, I ask these questions because I would like to be an entrepreneur, but I'm not. You're learning. You're getting. You're getting I, I want to learn. You get entrepreneurship 101 right here, buddy. One. Look at this. Look at what we offer on Opposite Ends podcast. It's simple. Everybody make it hard. It's so simple. People make do, it all so you, hard. All you have to do is ask questions, man. Well, my problem is that I get scared. No, I get have... I get scared to make the wrong decision. Who's so. who's and also you know another one, Joseph. Who invested in this product? That's another great question. Yeah. If Mr. So, Kraft invested in this, if Barack Obama invested in this, if uh, LeBron James and uh, Tiger yeah, Woods, but are they gonna guys be, who are, have, are these people going to be in what infancy stage? When if these no, I'm just <laughs> like, no, you 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 never have a rule of just have a rule of thumb, just have a process where 
I'm get, I know I'm getting into this company at this early at the at the earliest, right? Mm-hmm. At their seed round, right? I'm getting in really early, really early. Friends and family. I want to go into the friends and family uh, uh, stage, right? Because when you go into friends and family, you're able to get a discount on your money. You can get in at a lot cheaper. What? We're getting we, we, we can talk all about, the freaking I, pointers. No, I'm serious. You want to get? You want your money to be? You want to get a discount on the money that you're putting in? That gives you even more more uh value on your dollar you see, right. you see what i'm saying because that's what that's the trick but yes. mostly that's what i ask when i can i get it can i get a 20 percent discount on the money that i'm putting in like yeah most cases yes absolutely you getting it early and it's kind of like an incentive to you to get in and put your funds in early because you're saying hey you're coming in early while we have this five to ten million dollar valuation right we're going to grow think a company that starts at a 10 million dollar valuation and then it goes to go to 102 three four five hundred Million valuation. Think. Look at look at how much your money's growing over time. That's how you do it, Joseph. Let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's just go. pay me nice. to help you understand what's going on. Damn. <laughs> Even though I know you already know, you know you're just joking with me. I know you know your stuff. I don't know my stuff. Yeah, yes you do. <laughs> Man, this guy don't don't let this guy fool you. This guy has a lot of information up here. He's just joking. He's just playing the game. But he's he's learning. Play cool. Joseph, Go my ahead. time knowing you, Joseph, you you're like a sponge for knowledge, man. And when you get this knowledge, you take it and you just continue to keep evolving. I can't wait to see what you're gonna be like at 35, 30 and thirty five years old. You're gonna be yeah, I can't wait to a see beast, too. both in your your entertainment space, your acting career, as well as your your wealth of knowledge just your knowledge for understanding business i mean look at what you're doing now a lot of people don't know i mean did you let people know what you're doing now dude you're doing something that most people can't even fathom how to even get into the get into the space did you let people know what you're doing like this is your well side i mean aside from the articles that come out i guess but like yeah no one really knows what, what are I'm you doing, doing joseph what are you doing oh, what are you doing man, right see now it. You see how he turns it around on me? What are you doing he right now? Let him know what, you, what are you doing right now, man? What am I doing right now? I am dealing, not dealing with. I have a few listings uh, that I got going on. You see? You see? Selling properties. You see? You know how many times people come to me saying they want to get into real estate, asking me like I'm an, a real estate ex uh, um, connoisseur or real estate aficionado? Well, you, you own real estate. Yes, but you're a real estate dude, investor. You're doing it at a level where people got to go. You got to take look, look, you have to take steps in order to get anywhere. And the steps that you take to do what you're doing right now having listings, people are back here, they're stuck, man. This world is a big world. It's and tough. It. Yeah, it is it's very hard. tough. But you've done that while being an actor, while being an entertainer, while being having your own podcast and you, dude, you're building impressive. That's why I said I can't wait to see you at thirty and thirty-five, dude. You're crushing it. You yeah, my thing is, start. my thing is like, oh, is it too many things? Do I need to drop something? Too you many know? things. Oh, but but what? then but then ask I think, me how many things but, I've done. But then I think Joseph. like, okay, maybe it's uncomfortable right now. Ooh, but it's that uncomfortable space that's gonna you ask know, me push if me I showed you my resume right now and you and you see everything that I'm that I'm doing and everything that I've done, and you tell me is it is it too much? You're right. I've done 20, 26 projects in a year and a half. Dang. I can name them all for you, all for you right now. You know most of them because you know me. This guy was on Dancing with the Stars, by the way. And we'll cut it off right there. Ah! ah. Keep the people <laughs> guessing. Ah! 
Ah, <laughs> why you say it like that? Why you say you gonna cut it off like that? Because we gotta keep. The hopefully, one dancing. day we'll see you on Dancing with the Stars. Well, hopefully, I hope hopefully, so. I hope yeah, we can get you great. on there. That'd be awesome, it's man. It's America's number one show, right? Here. Man, I would love to see you on there. You you talk about dancing, so why not? You might as well go on. I like dancing. Yeah, I dance. You'd be great for that show, man. I think I'd be pretty good too. I think you'd be pretty good for it. Another personality. On I'm gonna there. have to talk to Dana Katz for you, man. Dina Katz. Yeah, she 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 brings in all the talent. Dang, this is crazy, man. I feel I feel like I'm about to explode with knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I'm so happy you came on this podcast. I'm really like I really appreciate you coming on, and you know this was great. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. It's so fun. Thank Love you. it. Well, I appreciate. It. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we'd love to see you back next week. And again, welcome to Opposite Ends. <laughs>